Ladies and gentlemen, here we are again. Theology on Mission podcast from the Griffith Conference Room at Northern Seminary. I give you the one, the only, the, the incomprehensible, the one, the guy who says I owe it all to him, Jeff Holesclaw. Never Go. said that ever in my life. I just life. said it five minutes ago before we started the podcast. That was in reference to one very specific thing. Hey, so I got news for you. We got news for all of our listeners. And no, I'm not talking about the shoes I'm wearing, even though I have black uh, People are really wingtip shoes on, which are different than my other shoes that you're razzing me about. Uh, dude, that was like so long ago. That was like a month ago. Can that we was go last on? Week. Can we move on? That I know was you're... last week. But we got exciting news. So exciting that I might even need to change uh, music here a little bit. We're going to need to oh, change here we music. Go. We're, we have such exciting news. So last summer we started this podcast just at about the same time we were starting our new Masters in Theology and Mission. But uh, beyond being packed with all the necessary courses in that theology degree for leading local congregations, we structured it, of course, for busy people. And we made it affordable so that people could be free of debt, nimble for mission. So that was our Theology and Mission degree. Do it that is we started rhythm last of life. year. Put it into your rhythm of life. But you know what we heard a bunch of? We were like, Jeff, Dave, I don't live in Chicago. That thing sounds awesome. How can I get in on this? And what did we say to them? What did we say? We said, uh, no, you can't. We can't do it. Bummer. But that was last year. Now, not only is the Masters in Theology and Mission affordable. I have never seen you so far. But off. now it is accessible anywhere from the country, even in the world. Today, I mean, very can, day. This is the very day. Can I just ask you a quick question? April 5th, no joke, we're launching Northern Live Streaming Seminary to you. What's your question? Can you preach like this on Sunday morning? I do on Easter Sunday morning. This Amen. is Resurrection Amen. Life. Amen. Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Northern Live is utilizing the latest in audio and visual technology to create a real-time learning environment accessible from anywhere in the world basically students at a distance will be able to engage in the same classroom experience so as basically those on campus basically you're saying that if i have the right software etc and a computer and an internet wi-fi feed i can beam into a classroom and actually it's like i'm there this isn't just like some chat room this isn't just like i don't know it's not a recording a gopro uh filming of a hockey game this is actually you become present in a classroom through the wonders of technology with two-way live real-time engagement with the most up-to-date content that the professors are teaching so for all of you so does this mean mcknight too yeah, McKnight's, oh, McKnight is okay. also involved. So for all of you out there, please check it out at seminary.edu slash live. That is seminary.edu slash L-I-V-E or see our show notes. Maybe you already have a master's degree, but I bet you know one or two people who could benefit from this opportunity. So please find us on Facebook, Northern Seminary. Point your friends to it or drop them a quick email and again. That's Seminary Live. And so so basically the, the whole purpose of the this kind of commercial thing you're doing right now, you're telling people if you like reading McKnight, now you actually get to beam in and talk with and dialogue with McKnight. Or if you Is like that what this, you're saying? Or if you like this podcast, but you're like, hey, I'd sure like to raise my hand and interact with those fellas sometime. Or maybe I've heard this awesome uh, professor named Cherith V. Norling. I'd yes. love to sit in on a class with her. Now you 
can. Okay, but so, my question to okay. you is, is this really something people want to do? I mean, you you to read McKnight is one thing. <laughs> to have to actually engage in real live conversation. Is this something you and he need to work out no, together? No, okay. I just uh, wanted to make uh, sure. Uh, okay. All right, so that's our uh, our little plug. It is really launching today. Uh, it will have been launched whenever you listen to this. So that was in place of our normal desperate pleas for subscribers and podcast reviews, which I'm not going to make. I'm not going to make that desperate plea for subscribers. No, you're not. From Northern Seminary, in partnership with Missio Alliance, this is Theology on Mission, the podcast exploring God and integrating faith and life. Here are your hosts, Jeff Holsclaw and David Fitch. So on to what are we talking about today? We're talking about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. How do we come to understand? And how appropriate this is right the after full Easter. Life. Yes. Now, I was thinking of putting this before Easter so that we could work on our atonement theories. Atonement theories are the different ways we understand Jesus' death and the purpose of his sacrifice and things like that. But we put it on the other side Why'd of you Easter. Why would you do that? I think it'll be clear. At the end of the podcast, that's called a tease, folks. You can't turn us off because you got to wait till the end. So, does our understanding, the question for us is does our understanding of salvation make sense of the entire life of Jesus? Does our theory of the atonement integrate every part of his life, death, and resurrection, or does it kind of just leave things hanging out there? So, I want to get at this by thinking about what is often called the bridge illustration. Dave, have you heard of the bridge illustration, this evangelism tool? I was raised on the bridge illustration. Ooh, should I give you a pop quiz or do you want me to outline it? Uh, no. You want me? Okay. So all of you who are listening and you know uh, out there, if you're driving, please only do this with one hand at a time. We don't want any notes that uh, we caused a car wreck or something like that. Or if you're more eco-friendly the, and your bicycle. This podcast is a car wreck. Yeah, that might be. <laughs> that might be. But it, it could be a car wreck, but we don't want it to cause a car wreck. Okay, so all of you out there, raise up your left hand. This area, if you kind of spin it in a little circle, is a, is a side of a chasm that humanity lives upon. And underneath uh, this little chasm, there are three words. There is wages. There's the word sin. And there's the word death. This comes from Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. 623. 323 is is all have fallen short of the glory of God. This is why I didn't want to quit on the bridge (laughs) illustration. 623. All right, so that's the one side. Now, if you switch hands and do this carefully, if you're driving or biking or doing other things and needing two hands, if you switch other hands, you you have your right hand. On this side is the side that God lives upon. And on that side is grace... And God, of course, and life. And in between those two hands, you have this giant chasm, which is death and hell and something like that. So the question, the existential question that then you're posed when you look at this bridge illustration is, well, how do you get from the side of death over to the side of life? How can we move from the place where there's the wages of sin, sin is what you earn, to the gift of grace, which God gives us, which we don't earn, but God can still give us? How do we get across? Dave, how do you get across? Uh, the bridge. And what is the bridge? The bridge is Jesus Christ. It's it usually, actually is the 
cross. Thank you. It's yes. usually shaped as a cross in between. And this is also it's paired with something that's often called the Romans road. And uh, then you move on to Romans eight, nine. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And so this bridge illustration moves from your left sin, death to the right, which is life, God, and then forgiveness and other things like this. And this reminds me of uh, integrative seminar teaching at, at Northern Seminary. And, you know, uh, at this point, we have to integrate our various pieces of theology, one of which is the atonement theory. And um, and there was this one dude who was uh, going through his theology, and there was one wise guy in the group who had this sign, bridge illustration. Every time he would do something in his atonement theory that sounded like a rehearsed bridge illustration, he'd say, bridge illustration. <laughs> also, we have a peanut gallery here among the students. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So now we're generous people here at Northern Seminary, are we not, Dave? So yes. what are the good things that we can appreciate about the bridge illustration? I, it, it is a simple, a very simple, quick compact understanding of of the atonement and it enables it to be communicated quickly yes and it's good and i found it it is you know and maybe this is good for bad it makes sense to children i've shared this with my uh son and others uh it so it's helps very us, simple it helps us understand the sacrificial nature of jesus that he had to die in our in, place under i would add uh within one tradition yes i.e reformed euro tradition right Right, and so, uh, and it, it shows us in a visual, pictorial way the benefits of salvation. So, but what are some of the pitfalls, maybe, of this illustration? Well, you know, uh, it's a very narrow slice, a very narrow slice of the full work of God in Christ through the cross and, of course, the resurrection. So it doesn't integrate well into the whole counsel of what God has done in Christ for the world. And now we're not talking about just personal salvation, but the gospel, that what God, and God has begun is the kingdom of God, the uh, fulfilling of the promise to make the world right through the nation of Israel. So it doesn't, it, it's a very narrow, thin, personal, individualistic slice. So it fails to integrate with the whole life of Christ and what, what God has done in the life of Christ and the resurrection. And it suggests... Unfortunately, that the whole goal of salvation is to get me out of here and to heaven, safe and sound. It's all going to burn. And these, this has, this, by the way, made sense somewhere around the 1500, 1600 Europe, Luther, Calvin, post Catholic, Malaise, etc. But we live in a very multifarious, difficult world today. And therefore, uh, it doesn't really engage on a number of levels. And another point, too, is it doesn't, uh, the bridge illustration doesn't give us concrete hope or expectation of what are we doing right now before exactly. we die. And so it creates, uh, it creates the bridge illustration, which is based on a chasm, creates other chasms, which are kind of the doctrine of Paul, you know, and Jesus. And so people feel like Jesus and Paul don't make sense together because Jesus preaches the kingdom and Paul just talks about getting to heaven. Right. Right. Or you have, uh, different things like that. And so it doesn't integrate all these different aspects of Jesus's life. I remember talking with a guy uh, in college, I might've shared this before, and he was just like, oh, Jesus's life, he teaches all of these great things. And I kept being like, oh no, Jesus's death. And he's kind of like, well, for you, Jesus could have just showed up, never spoken a word and then died. And that's all that would matter, right? Right. And I was like, yeah, 
which didn't feel really good, right? And was so, this, what, how old were you when this? Uh, was I was like? nineteen or twenty when I was out in Santa Cruz, California. Mm. You know, and I was worried that that guy was being too li- liberal, right? Because he didn't care about the death of Jesus. But I was like, ah, I've missed something. I've lost something here. Yeah. And so the question is: Is can we think of this bridge illustration differently, or do we have to rehaul the whole thing? Just this morning. All right, can you hang with me here? Just I'm this morning. I'm hanging with you, man. Just this morning, Soren. Uh, this is my older son. He did this magic trick to me. He's like, hey, Dad, I've been meaning to show you this magic trick. Can we do this before you leave? I was like, okay. He's like, okay, you got to close your eyes and put both hands on the table. I got to do a little preparation, he tells me. So I put both hands on the table. He's like, okay, I need you to stand still or you stay still. So then he, he starts balancing something on, my, on the top of my hands. On the top of my hands. He's like, don't open your eyes. And then he finishes balancing them. He's like, this is just preparation. And he says, you can open your eyes. I was like, okay. And I see that I have two cups full of water balanced on the top of my hands. And then he looks at me and he says, Blade April Fools, see ya. And he takes off. So now I have these two large cups of water on the top of my hands and no way to get them off because they're on the top of my hands and my hands are on a counter. What happened? I very slowly lifted one hand up, balancing the cup. And then slowly pulled off the other one off my hand. It, it took forever. It was painful. It was horrible. And hopefully there's a, there's the stories. The story. This somewhere. is a shift. Are you ready? And then my younger son comes over. He's like, dad, it's totally easy. You could have gotten out of that in a second. I was like, what are you talking about? And then he shows me. He's like, you just use your mouth. I'm like, Doh! all right. So is there another way of looking at the bridge illustration or is there another bridge illustration we can come up with? And, and by the way, just uh, intersect here, uh, inter- whatever, interject. Uh, I think that unfortunately, or fortunately, I mean, the whole new wave of new perspective on Paul, along with apocalyptic and other uh, new emphases of, inter- of interpretation of the New Testament, helping us understand all the other things about what God's doing in Christ for the atonement. Sometimes we want to dismiss the substitutionary view of yes. the atonement. Just write it off, get rid of it. There are a number of reasons why someone might want to do or that. The penal substitutionary yes, atonement. Yes, and has. we can't really go into that right now, but all this to but say... But we're going to, someday. Yeah, okay, well, maybe, but come here, study at Northern Seminary with Scott McKnight, and you, you won't have to listen to us. Or check out Northern Live and enroll by distance. Ooh. Northern Live, see how I worked that uh, in? Yeah, Perfect. you're brilliant. So, yeah, go. So we're not totally against... Substitution, but it doesn't need to be nuanced. It needs to be understood in a certain way. So let's make the shift. You ready? Can we think of the bridge illustration differently? All right, I'm going to throw you a curveball, Dave. When I say Christus Victor, what does that mean? Uh, That means Christ has won the victory over the powers of sin, death, and evil. Now, if you were explaining Christus Victor to people who are not going to seminary, who never thought to go to seminary, do not want to go to seminary, never want to read a theology book, how would you explain it? I would get a big uh, chain, a big, huge chain, and I'd chain them up. A huge chain. Okay, and then I'd get some instrument, and I'd say, do you feel chained? And, and do you feel bound by certain forces and powers in your life? Imagine this chain is that. And then I'd take a big axe, and I'd whack the chain, bust it open. I say, Jesus is the axe. Jesus is Lord. Wow, okay. That's good. That's really good. Fortunately, you might die in the process because swinging an axe into somebody that's chained up. You're a hockey player. I'm sure you'd be very precise. Okay, let's stay on task here. That's very good. So that was without any preparation. I just threw that right at him. But that kind of gets us 
at this idea of spiritual warfare and spiritual bondage. When Jesus' ministry is being attacked in Matthew 12, this, you'll get the same story in Mark 3, uh, people are saying, oh, he does all these great things through the power of the devil, Beelzebub. And then Jesus jumps in and he says, knowing their thoughts, any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and any city or household divided against itself is not able to stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. And how will his kingdom stand? And then moving on a little bit, he says, but if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And here's the kicker. Or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man? And then that one will be able to plunder his house. And Jesus is basically saying, I am the one who's coming in and I'm binding the strong man, Satan, and I'm rescuing all the people that were under his uh, bondage and in slavery to him. And this is, a, this is just one of the pictures of Christus Victor or the victory of Christ. And you get this all throughout his ministry, right? Spiritual warfare, casting out demons, overcoming sin, uh, or forgiving sin, and healing those who were sick and oppressed. And you get this in Luke 4. And so there's this understanding that Jesus has come to set the captives Free, And so if we were to redraw the bridge, we would start with our right hand and say, God is over here, full of life and power and victory. And then with our left hands, we're over here, full of sin and bondage, inability to follow God or love one another. And the cross is, what does it do? It enables maybe God to come over to us. He's invading our world. He's invading our world with grace, life, truth, love, and forgiveness, and setting the captives free. And so if we had another bridge illustration, the arrows would be going the other direction. The cross of Christ enables the presence of God to be with all people and to overcome sin and death. What do you think? I like it. I like it. It was a little bit long, but I, I, I like <laughs> it. And, and, you know, if you're interested in, in those uh, brilliant ideas, uh, Binding the Strongman by Chad Myers is a commentary on Absolutely. the Gospel of Mark. It's just an awesome uh, book. I read it many, many years ago, but boy, changed my life. So where do we go from here with on this? Well, we need to kind of fill this out. How would we fill out a bridge illustration of the Christus Victor, where the arrows is going to, from God to humanity. What are the benefits of viewing things this way? Well, one, it doesn't tell us that the most important thing is to leave where we are and to get where God is, but rather the most important thing is that God is coming to where we are and renewing or recreating all things. And so we have this theme of kingdom and new creation that becomes integrated. What are some of the other benefits of thinking of Christus Victor? Well, um, you know, some of it's obvious. We're, we're not saved from sin. We're saved for life. We're saved out of, out of the bondage. I mean, so much of what the world's dealing with today are addictions, powers, evil, death, war, violence. Christ comes as the victor through his presence over all these things. And he did that by, by going down into hell itself and overcoming and defeating the powers of death sin and evil and so we carry that victory in our beings by being in christ as we enter the world i mean think about 
what that does when we enter into the violence of the south side of Chicago. Uh, think about what that does when we enter into the racism up and down our blocks, when we bring the presence of reconciliation and victory over these insidious forces that, that bind people into over me against you violence. Think about the uh, the hideous forces and seductions of pornography, of uh, uh, drug addiction, of heroin, crack, all these things that are... Uh, people, apart from God, need to find something, and these things take over their lives. Jesus is victor over all that, and, and it leads us to come in and die to ourselves and put these things up on the cross and allow Christ to be victor over them. And this is not just a personal thing. This is a social reality that we are uh, invited to participate in. And I think it actually makes the good news good news again. Right? So now we can proclaim hope to all the different situations where people are in. We can proclaim deliverance to all the different places people are in bondage. We can proclaim freedom to all the different ways that people are being held back. And we can yeah. declare that people don't need to be ashamed or excluded in these types of things. Whereas in the other bridge illustration, it sounds like bad news. Yeah. You're going I mean, to hell. Everything is wrong. That's bad. And you need to feel guilty about it. If you don't feel guilty about it, then let's keep talking until I have sufficient uh, assurance that you feel guilty enough about your sin, and then I'll give you the good news after that. That, you know, that doesn't sound like good news. Yeah. So uh, I think you've done a decent job about making a proposal here for a new bridge illustration. Uh, All right. So someone with artistic abilities. I'll have to see it to, to, to understand it. Right now, it seems a little rough. Oh, you and need a picture, huh? Well, yeah. I'll, I'll outline it. And Very uh, good. So it's 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 got some possibilities. So the idea is that God be coming and invading to where we are, but there still is a moment of substitution. Dave and I still understand we're so committed to Scripture that we're not willing to let some sort of theology or ideology push out yeah. the substitution of Christ, which is for our benefit. Yeah, and I know we're running out of time here, but you know, part uh, part of coming to Northern Seminary is learning about the new perspective on Paul. And uh, the work of N.T. Wright, Scott McKnight, other people, James, Jimmy, well, they call him Jimmy. I don't call him Jimmy Don. Jimmy. Other people call him Jimmy Don and, and uh, E.P. Sanders. But, but also, there's all this work that's now been done by Mike Gorman in his book, Death of the Messiah. And then, of course, N.T. Wright and how Jesus fulfills the Old Covenant through his death. And, and John Barclay just came out with a book, Paul and His Gift, which talks about the reciprocity nature of grace in, in the cross. But uh, all that to say... Man, uh, there's so much to explore here. And we're, we're just skimming on the top. You teach atonement in your theology yep. class. Cherith does too, but yet what? You spend one day on it? No, I spend like four weeks on it. Four man. weeks you on it? Spend you need time a whole, on this. You need a whole course on it. Absolutely. I totally agree with yeah. that. So the reason why we're doing this podcast after Easter is because we want to emphasize the victory over death and the emphasis on life, which is a post-Easter celebration. We don't want to just be in Lent all the time thinking about the cross and death. So that is a wrap. So moving on, we haven't done this in a little while. I've been sloppy or lazy or both. But Fitch versus Fitch, where we hold you accountable for the things you say on Facebook. So just a couple days ago, you said, quoting Richard Hayes, love cannot be the basis for a Christian ethics. It too easily can be a cover for all kind of vapid self-indulgences. Yeah, that's pretty What are you statement. talking about? I say Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you to love one another as I loved you. You should love one another. How can love not be the basis for yeah. Christian ethics? Uh, notice 
love one another as I have loved you. I have died for you. I have gone to the cross for you. Uh, love is patient. Love is kind. Love for is forbearing. First uh, Corinthians chapter thirteen. There's a content, a very specific content in what it means to love somebody, and our culture fills in this love in various ways. Various colors, various shades. It's almost indistinguishable. So we need to understand, just like the word justice, the word word love is given content. By the way, we love one another. They shall know them by the way they love one another. By the way they love one another. Not just by love, but by the way they love one another. It's a specific, peculiar way that we've learned to love one another out of out of the reconciling, forgiving work of Jesus Christ. And so that's my point, is I just feel like love ethic gets thrown around, and it gets, and, and so I agree with Richard Hayes on this one. So we really got to fill out what love means according to the very life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and not just what our therapeutic right. culture might want to tell us. I mean, yeah, and Anders Nygren is famous for agape love, defining the love of God. By the way, that's very Kantian. It's very distancing. It's very, you know, unconditional love. Folks, that doesn't do much good either, I don't think. So anyways, we'll leave this for another podcast. All right, excellent. So that was Fitch versus Fitch. So Dave, what are you reading? Um, I am reading... A church Alan, growth book, I hear. I am reading Church Alan, growth. You're all about the church getting bigger. Yes. <laughs> I am reading Alan Kreider's new book here, and the title of it is, and I just started reading it this morning, The Patient Ferment of the Early Church. It's all about how the church, uh, the first couple hundred years, didn't really go about any evangelism, ex, any... Uh, um, they didn't ex- have a bridge illustration. They didn't have a bridge illustration. For spiritual laws or they a mandate to evangelize. learned how to live the gospel, and in living the gospel, people became compelled by their way of life, and the church just grew. But uh, it's shocking how they had no plan for evangelism. They actually, they had no, in their whole teaching of what it means to be a Christian, they never mentioned evangelism once in the uh, second century catechism. So anyways, it's just a fascinating study about how patience is the way we must ferment the gospel in local communities. I am only on page 50-something right now, but I'll tell you, this book is already challenging my life. I saw you posting about it, and I put it in one of my uh, Amazon wish lists there. Looks yeah. really good. So what am I reading now? You've kind of been busting me because I just keep reading the same book over and over. But I have been reading this collection of essays. It's called The Art of the Personal Essay. It was reckon- recommended to me. It's by Philip Lopate, The Art of the Personal Essay. And it's all about just these, it's a collection of essays of people just like talking about themselves or talking about their experiences. It's really quite interesting. It's great casual reading. I read it at night. So right before, on Good Friday, I was writing this, reading this essay called on the pleasure of hating. And this guy was just mining the experience about how we all just really enjoy hating things. And that like gets us up in the, you know, in the day, this other guy was writing about the virtue of idleness and things like this. So it's just very curious, uh, explorations into the depths of humanity. So Human depravity. It sounds like not all of them, just that one author, uh, uh, William, uh, Heltzelt. I never say it quite right. So it was just one of the authors, but this, it goes, it goes all the way from, begins with Seneca you know, in the time just after the time of Christ, all the way up to contemporary authors, and so it's been a, a a different kind of genre for me. So it's been good. So it's Philip Lopate, the art of the personal essay. All right, well that's a wrap. We're hitting right at our time frame. 
So uh, Northern Live, check it out at seminary.edu slash live for our um, so from distance education. From where where are we? And so from the Griffith Conference Room, please write in and tell a host law you want us to stay in the Griffith Not Conference happening. Room. Uh, not some souped-up studio. We don't need it. This is it, folks. going to happen. Griffith Conference Room, Northern Seminary, Northern Library. We'll see you next time. Dave Fitch here. Jeff Falsclaw.